I greet you in the high and holy name of Jesus Christ, our crucified and risen Lord, during this series of three messages on singing and worship. Much of our focus is on the book of Psalms, and those 150 poems, which is what they really were, they were Israel's prayer book and song book. Jesus grew up singing and praying the Psalms, and he died on the cross with Psalm 22 on his lips. Last week, we considered why we sing. Today, we consider how and what we sing. Our scriptural text for the morning is Psalm 96, verses 1 through 12, which we read responsively earlier in the service. This God-inspired chapter offers five guidelines concerning how we should sing in worship. And my worship partner, Melody, will assist me. I will proclaim these guidelines, and then she will sing them. Her singing always deserves applause, but we ask you to refrain because a number of songs are in this service. And later I will give you a chance to express your appreciation. But anytime you feel an urge to say amen out loud, please go ahead and do it. Now let us pray. Take my lips and speak through them. Take our thoughts and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Unless you speak, nothing of significance will be spoken. Give us your word, Lord Jesus. Amen. Every morning, weather permitting... I go for a walk, and before I leave the house, I take out the little brown Cokesbury hymnal, which I grew up with, and pick out one of those hymns. Now, most of them I know by heart, but the ones I am not so familiar with, I, I write down a few prompts about each verse on a post-it note and take it with me. And then though I go out to walk, and I begin by singing that hymn. I sing it out loud. I do not sing it loudly because of the possible howling of dogs, and I don't want to <laughs> aggravate some sleepy neighbor, but I sing it out loud. And, and then when I finish singing that hymn, I continue to walk and pray. Uh, I remember from the Scripture that we are never commanded to make a joyful harmony. But six times in the book of Psalms, we are commanded, make a joyful noise. And I can do that. I can do it. So I sing first and then pray. But singing is almost praying. St. Augustine said, he who sings prays twice. Psalm 96 is one of the earliest psalms and one we are sure was written by King David. And the reason we know this is because in 1 Chronicles 16, we are told that David wrote this, this song uh, for a special occasion. It was when the Ark of the Covenant was to be brought to Jerusalem as its final resting place. 
And the Ark of the Covenant was made out of acacia wood. It contained the Old Testament, the original copy, etched by God into stone. So David and this vast throng of people began a pilgrimage singing Psalm 96 as they took the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And the scripture says that as they moved toward Jerusalem, David got so excited that he was dancing with all his might. Now, when they got to the city of Jerusalem, his wife was watching from an upstairs window. She was not pleased. She thought that that dancing in the street was beneath the dignity of a king. Imagine dancing so hard that it embarrasses your wife. Imagine. The first guideline in Psalm 96 for singing and worship is sing a new song. This does not mean throw away your hymnal because most of those songs in the hymnal were written in the 16th, 17th, 18th century. This doesn't mean get rid of them and only sing brand new songs. No. What 96 is calling us to do is sing a song that addresses a larger audience, a worldwide audience. Because you see, many of the Psalms were written for the Jewish people only. But Psalm 96 is different. It's a universal message from God. Worldwide, no nation or tribe or race is excluded. Oh, the world today is so tortured by division. It desperately needs a worldwide uh, message of unity, an outreach to the whole world. Every race, every ethnicity. Because, you know, Satan is always trying to promote division and discord. Uh, that's his M.O. And the evidence is everywhere that he is sometimes successful. Uh, the ugly specter of anti-Semitism is re-emerging. Uh, Russia has invaded a sovereign neighbor, Ukraine, without any provocation. And there are some Americans who are more inclined to call each other racist than to promote the brotherhood and the sisterhood of all. And Psalm 96 says, stop all that. Stop all that. Join in a new song that celebrates the good, the good news that every single person, born and not yet born, is made in the image of God, and for him or her, Jesus died. Now Melody will express that vision in song. Amen. Feel free to listen or sing along. I bet you know this one. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth the peace that was meant to be with God as our Father brothers all are we let me walk with my brother in
begin with me. Let this be the moment now. With every step I take, let this be my solemn vow to take each moment and live each moment in peace eternally. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. The second theme of Psalm 96 is proclaim his salvation. The key word there, salvation. In verse 2 we read, sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. David the psalmist could not have foreseen the birth of Jesus a thousand years later. But David knew from the revelation of God that a Savior was coming and the Savior would be one of his own descendants. And many of the Psalms, not just 96, many of the Psalms have an overall posture of royal anticipation. It's as if these psalmists are standing on tiptoes, holding their breath in expectation that God was going to send the King of Kings. The trajectory of the Psalms is toward the Messiah. In a former church of mine, there was a regular attender who was Jewish. And uh, he invited me to have lunch with him one day, and I did. And uh, over lunch, he told me that uh, he had been reared in a very faithful Jewish home. He knew the Old Testaments, the Old Testament from front to back. And uh, he told me that he studied everything about the promised Messiah. All the predictions, especially from Isaiah and the Psalms. And then he said, when I was introduced to the New Testament, I suddenly realized that Jesus had fulfilled every one of them. And so I felt led to become a Christian and I prayed and God confirmed me that Jesus is the Messiah. And so... I invited him to be my personal savior, and now I want to join the church. I said, that's good. We'll be glad to have you. I said, let me ask you this. Um, now that you're a Christian, do you still consider yourself a Jew? And he smiled and said, yes, but now I am a completed Jew. A completed Jew. And that new Christian was just proclaiming his salvation in Christ. As you and I are called to do day by day. Are you sure of your salvation today? Do you know that you're forgiven, saved, and heaven bound? You can be sure. God wants you to be sure. He does not want you to live day by day with doubts about that central matter. The Bible says if you declare with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, period. And the Holy Spirit will confirm to your heart that you have been adopted as a child of God. And then you're going to feel such inner joy 
that you will be compelled to share it. Listen now as Melody sings about the assurance that a Christian feels. Amen. Shackled by a heavy burden Neath the load of guilt and shame Then the hand of Jesus touched me And now I am no longer the same Will you sing it with me? He touched me, oh, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul, something happened, and now I know he touched me, and His name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name, Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance. The third theme in Psalm 96 follows naturally from the second. It is, declare God's glory. Declare God's glory. Verses 3 through 8 tell us that God is great and worthy of praise. We are told to ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. I was captivated some time ago by a uh, YouTube video of the great... Italian tenor Andrea Bocelli when he sang at the Vatican for the Pope he sang the Lord's Prayer and you know the Pope had heard that song a thousand times but this time he heard it differently and as that incomparable singer came to the end of that song and began singing, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory 
forever and ever, the Pope was visibly moved. He began to lift his hands in worship. The Holy Spirit, you see, had supercharged Bocelli's voice to the glory of God. We live in a culture that seems to sanction exuberant joy only for sports events and rock concerts. Now, there's nothing wrong with sports events and most rock con concerts. But they're simply entertainment. None of them has any eternal meaning. But strangely, our culture seems to discourage exuberant joy about eternal matters. And we've got the only eternal good news on earth. And yet, the culture seems to discourage our singing it. We've got to stand up and resist that. And we must make it our goal every day to share it joyfully. The great composer Franz Joseph Haydn, uh, though weakened by age and confined to a wheelchair, was present one evening at the Vienna Music Hall. And his piece, The Creation, was presented. And as the piece progressed, the audience was so overwhelmed with emotion, so thrilled by the beauty of that music, that they spontaneously stood up and began applauding, looking toward where Haydn was seated in the royal box. And at that point, Haydn struggled and stood up. And he pointed toward heaven and said, no, no, not from me, but from there it all comes. He was genuinely giving God glory. And now listen as Melody gives God glory by singing my tribute. Can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you give to prove your love for me. The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe it all to thee. Sing with me. To God be the glory, Amen. to God be the glory, to God be the glory for the things he has done with his blood. To God be the glory. 
The fourth theme of Psalm 96 is a command. Tremble before God's holiness. In verse 9 we read, Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. And in both the Old Testament and the New, God calls us to be holy because I am holy. We should tremble before a holy God because we are unholy. And if Jesus Christ had not atoned for our sin on the cross, we would be cringing and trembling in stark fear of God's coming judgment and wrath on sin. But because of Christ, our trembling is different. We tremble not in fear, but in awe and reverence and love. To tremble is mostly an emotional response. Yes, the Christian faith has a rational component. Yes, it does. Our faith makes sense. We can explain it to somebody rationally, and that's good. But if our faith does not have a strong emotional component, it's as flat as a two-day-old Coke. Just imagine... Just imagine a man proposing marriage to a woman using this approach. Jane, you know, we've dated for over a year now. And uh, recently I sat down and I added up all the pluses and the minuses of our relationship. And I want to tell you that the pluses are considerably ahead of the minuses. And on that basis, I think we should get married. What do you think? Now, if that woman has any sense, she will run as fast as she can from that guy. And she will yearn to meet a guy who will say to her, I have fallen in love with you. Do you love me too? Yes. And let me tell you, nobody can explain that falling in love business. You could take the best psychiatrist in America and ask them uh, what it means to fall in love. And they would just mumble around. Uh, it, 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 it has a rational component, but it's at least 80 or 90% emotional. I've even known a Gamecock to fall in love with a tiger. Yeah. <laughs> when we worship, God means for our emotions to be stirred. Yes. Uh, and sometimes a song is the only way to express what is in our heart. And let me tell you, if the thought of the cross 
and all that Jesus did there does not occasionally bring a tear to the eye, your faith needs to grow. And when you consider that your future home in heaven is absolutely sheer gift. You didn't do a thing to earn it. If that thought doesn't make you want to sing, something's wrong. And when we look back over the years and notice all the times that some guardian angel stepped in at just the right time and protected us from some disaster, if you can't see that, it's so sad. If you see it, you can't help but want to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And if not, your faith is deficient. Back in the 19th century, there was a, there was a renowned Methodist preacher, circuit-riding preacher, um, rustic type from the mountains, named Peter Cartwright. And uh, he was preaching one day at a conference held by a very proper seminary student. And um, Peter Cartwright preached and then extended an invitation for people who wanted to receive Christ to come forward. And here came running down the aisle this great big huge man with ape-like arms. And as he came forward, he was praying out loud, Lord, Lord, I'm just an old sinner who needs a Savior. Help me, Lord, help me. And uh, he knelt there and... Uh, rushing up to his side with a seminary student. And the, the seminary student stood beside him and said, compose yourself, brother, compose yourself. And Peter Cartwright pushed the seminary student out of the way and knelt beside the brother and put his arms around his shoulder and said, pray on, brother, pray on. Don't compose yourself. You can compose yourself and go straight to hell. Pray on, pray on. And finally, the big man felt the the, the, the glory and the love of Christ in his life that he was forgiven and saved and he jumped up and started shouting thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus thank you so much and he got so excited he lifted the seminary student up and began dancing around with him when God gets real with us he touches every part of us including our emotions we should never be ashamed of a tear when we think about our Lord and when we feel a need to break out in song, just say, thank you, Jesus. Now listen as Melody sings about feeling the presence of the Lord. Amen. I know this is one of your favorites. Will you sing it with me? Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. You feel him. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. I do. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Sing it again. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can hear. 
of angels' wings, I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this The fifth and final theme of Psalm 96 is let heaven and nature sing. Let heaven and nature sing. Listen again to verses 11 and 12. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. God not only wants to save our eternal individual souls for heaven, God wants to transform this world. And, you know, I think especially in the springtime, nature seems to catch a glimpse of God's new creation. Just last week I was out walking and uh, a doe crossed the road ahead of me and right behind her were her two newborn fawns covered with white spots, uh, couldn't have been much over a foot tall, tiny things, probably less than a week old. And as the mother deer watched them closely, they were bounding about and romping like a couple of puppies, celebrating their new life. Even the flowers are singing God's presence nowadays. The gardenias in our yard with their divine aroma and the hydrangeas with their delicate whites and blues are advertising the greatness of God. There's a Carolina wren that lives in our backyard. And that's a tiny little bird. But God has equipped it with a bullhorn kind of voice. <laughs> it's amazing the sound that little thing can put out. And right at dawn every day. This beautiful but loud songs come. You don't need an alarm clock if you got a Carolina wren in your yard. You will get up. Uh, and I wonder, uh, is the Carolina wren advertising for a mate or just saluting the God who made him? Maybe both. The rolling thunder echoes God's greatness. The mighty ocean waves testify to his power. An eagle's flight declares his majesty the tiny toes of a newborn baby advertise God's careful attention to detail and since God is the creator of all it's fitting for Melody to sing this is my father's world sing with me this is my Father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world. I rest. trees of skies and seas 
His hand the wonders wrought. Will you stand together as we continue to sing? This is my Father's world. The birds their carols raise. The morning light, the lily white, declare their Maker's praise. With these thoughts ringing in our hearts, there's a hymn that's just begging to be sung. And I want to invite our musicians back on stage for the singing of this hymn. Melody and I and Luke think that since the Lord has empowered us to preach and to sing and to play his gospel, we should give him, the Lord, some holy applause. As we sing this hymn and as we receive Holy Communion in a few moments, you may, be feel, you may feel led to say, Oh, Lord Jesus, since you gave yourself for me and saved my soul, I want to glorify you forever. Now let us stand together and sing, How Great Thou Art. Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home. What joy shall fill my heart and I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my God how great thou art. My soul, my Savior God, to Thee, how great Thou art, how great Thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee, how great Thou art, how great Thou art. Now please be seated and let us prepare our hearts for Holy Communion. <laughs> 